Thanks for listening to Faith in the Fast Life. I'm Nick Orta. I'm your host. On this show, we look to break down the stereotypes of what the Christian looks like to the world by receiving testimony of action sports athletes and other athletes and just individuals across the world. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and fastlifeministries.com to give. Hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah, so um, here live this morning, John Andrus, stunt dudes, BMX guru, video editor guy back in the day. There's so many titles and so many things that I understand John has done, and we are just so excited to have you here and be able to capture the story of what Christ has done in your life. So without further ado, I give the mic to you, John. Tell us, tell us your story, man. Sweet, man. Well, it's my pleasure to be here with Fast Life. You guys have been making waves uh, through the internet um, and through the podcast world, so it's an honor to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, my story, um, I was born at a very young age. Sorry, my dad, <laughs> dad put that joke in me. Um, That's a great dad yeah, man, joke. <laughs> I mean, to give context a little bit, like I'm a, I'm a pro BMX rider. So I travel around and I'm, I'm pro in kind of a different sense. Um, like I don't go to the contest and, and compete on that kind of level, but my job is bike riding. And so I, uh, I travel around with my kid's bike and uh, I do shows primarily, or I, I interact with kids at skate parks and dirt, dirt jumps and stuff like that on the side. But yeah, traveling around, it's my work is to travel and put on shows with BMX. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, I got into BMX um, when I was in high school. So I started a little bit late. Most people start a little younger than that, but I fell in love with BMX in high school and I was just addicted. It was uh it was a fix that I needed. And, um, it was the only thing I could satisfy riding the bikes. My parents wanted me to play drums and I liked playing drums, but BMX was my, was my thing. So yeah, loved riding bikes would do it seven hours a day in high school age. Yeah. So that's yeah, funny cause I, so. I started it at a younger age and then started to fall out of it towards the end of high school and fell into all the bad stuff. But I remember the days of it was so awesome to be at Camp Royal there a few weeks ago and and be able to be on a bike again for seven eight hours a day and then at forty years old you you get home and uh, get back to the hotel room and it was just hot shower for thirty minutes and stretch <laughs> stretch everything out so you can get back and do it again. But yeah, awesome. you, you wake get, up the next morning and your shoulders are all stiff and your arms you can't lift them. Yep, fun <laughs> stuff. It's so good to be back and you get to do that daily. Yeah, Almost yeah, it's, it's that, yeah, sort of. There's a lot of uh, back end stuff that I end up doing for my job that doesn't involve being on the bike, but I'm, it's always a treat whenever I get get back behind bars. Yeah. Life behind bars. We were doing prison ministry, and I I was talking to the guys, and I because I always say that life behind bars, and I was talking to some guys locked up in the penitentiary. <laughs> I'm like life behind bars, and then they just kind of looked at me with like I think I kind of offended them, and it was kind of awkward. <laughs> Horizontal bars, not vertical. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yep. So yeah, so so started in high school, started riding BMX, just caught the bug for it, and uh, where else? Where did that go? Where, where did that take you? Um, I mean, it, it it was my life. My culture is on the streets with my friends or in the woods jumping dirt jumps. Um, and so I like I grew up in church, so church was a big part of my family's life. It was we were there four days a week when I was a kid with, with my parents. My parents were worship leaders and just lived at the church. Um, that, that was my culture too. But 
once I got into the BMX culture on the streets with my friends, going to skate parks, um, it was like a different culture that I was a part of. And so I, I kind of had this conflict of all of my friends are telling me God's a fairy tale. And I grew up with this worldview um, of, of Christianity. And so there was like this conflict where I, I definitely started questioning and I saw how fun it was in the world. And the Christian model that I grew into, I kind of saw how that's really restricting from the fun, if that makes sense. So, so there's this, this pivotal time in my life um, when I was 16, 17, when I was really hiding from God. I was hiding from God. I knew he was true when I would start to, uh, like, like if I had to think like, man, is this actually true? Do I really want to be a Christian? I knew he was the way, the truth, and the life, but I didn't really want to make him the boss of my life. I, I, I wanted to be the boss of my life and have the fun that I told myself that I could have, which I knew and a lot of times was in conflict with what God wanted me to do with my life. So yeah, there's this big, this, this moment in my life, I had to make a choice. I could see Jesus wasn't my boss. He wasn't my King. He was a spiritual figure, you know, and I didn't truly believe in him in a sense to where my belief changed my actions. My, where my belief was like a saving faith. It was like, oh yeah, no, that's, that's real, but I'm going to go do my own thing. And it's interesting because the Bible actually says that the demons believe and they tremble, but, but Jesus isn't the Lord of the demons life. So belief can be just from my story, belief can be something where you're like, yeah, 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 that's cool. No, I, I believe that, but it's not a belief that, that actually causes your actions to change. And I, I, I saw that in my life and I knew that I was like a fake belief. I was just being religious, following the, the religious stuff on the outside when I was around my family and my church. But I wasn't right with God. I was an enemy of God. Even in my religion, I was an enemy of God. Right. Um, habitual Christian, if you will, right? We talk about that quite a bit. That You went through the yeah, motions. but Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I like to use the term cultural Christianity because I think a lot of us grow up like I did. I grew up in a culture of Christianity. Yep. My parents taught me. They taught me how to follow Christ, but um, that was my culture that I grew up in. And it wasn't a um, it, it wasn't me coming to life through faith in Christ. It was like, oh, I, this is the religion I grew up in. And you see that throughout the world. If you grew up in the Middle East, you grow into a different religion. If you grew up in India, you grow up into a different religion. And we kind of believe what we're taught by default. And that was me. I, I believed this, this Christianity by default, but it wasn't the spiritual thing. It, it was like, oh, that's just what I was taught. Um, but when I said, man, I, I want to follow Jesus because I know he's true and I don't want to be a faker. I don't want to be a poser. And I know that he's the only, the only true way to, to like a relationship with God was through Christ. I said, I'm going to make him the Lord. I don't know what that means. I just know that he is now the boss of my life and I want to, I want to be right with him. And so like, I made a commitment, like kind of like a marriage commitment. I commit to following you, God, I'm giving you my life. The Bible says we need to count the cost. And I said, I'm giving you everything. I know that my life is no longer my own. You are the Lord of my life. And it was like the world looked differently that day. Everything looked different. It was like, God gave me the Holy spirit and, um, and I've been his, he's been the Lord of my life. He's been living inside of me. It's like, that's my testimony. Spiritual change happened when I made him the Lord of my life. And no. it doesn't mean that things are perfect. No, absolutely not. How old were you at that point? 17 years old. So you're walking in, you're doing the BMX. And then all of a sudden, what was it that prompted that 
that change? Tell me. Um, more. I mean, I just, I, I hid from, I just didn't want to be around church really. Like was the truth. Like I was around it my entire life and I just didn't want to be around church. To me, it was, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be out with my friends and like, um, I was at this church thing with my mom. My mom brought me to, but I was outside. I pulled my bike out and I was in the parking lot riding with my brother. <laughs> and I'm like, cause some of this church stuff we go to is long. It was like hours and hours and hours. So I'm like, I'm going to be in the parking lot messing around. And it went on for hours. So I finally went in there and went in. And right when I went in, um, they did this thing where they had people ask people on the left and the right, like if they're, if they're living for Christ, which I think is super awkward and I wouldn't personally do it necessarily. But I sat next to my mom right when they did that. And my mom asked me and my mom is just like the shining example of godliness for a woman. And um, I'd been lying to myself about living for God, but I couldn't lie to my mom. As soon as she asked me, I was like, no, I'm absolutely living for myself. I knew it. I was convicted. I wasn't right with God. Um, and God used that moment, used my mom. She doesn't even remember the story last time I talked to her. She's like, I don't remember that at all. I'm like, well, <laughs> God used to <laughs> Man, so 17 years old, all of a sudden convicted. And uh, yeah. so that, that culture of Christianity that you grew up in, like it had its roots. I mean, it had its its thing, right? Like it, it had a hold of you and you weren't really, you know, following, I guess. You were a fan. We always, we always go back to that. I think it was Jarrett that brought that up in one of the early episodes, the book, The Fan or Follower or Not a Fan, I think is the name of the book. I still haven't read it. I got to find time to read it. But basically we talked about it's, are you a fan or a follower? And you were a fan at that point. You weren't following. And all of a sudden you're convicted. And what's next? Where'd we go from there? What's next? Yeah. I mean, um, so the next couple of years, you know, I I dived into church life and serving and being a part of, um, I was kind of getting out of youth group age, but, but I got into serving in the youth group and serving on the worship team. And really just like, I had a lot of questions, like there were a lot of theological questions and things that, you know, I'd heard lots of things growing up, but I still really struggled with, with a lot of the things in the Bible and a lot of different, different things people were believing and teaching. So that next four years was really discipleship time, um, seeking that the truth becoming firm in my, in my faith. And a lot of that was spent at church. Um, and that's, that was a great time for me, but I, I still, was riding bikes and in the world with all my friends who weren't Christians. I have very few friends that believed in Christ, but I'm out there with them. And I just didn't know how to share with them. I didn't know how can I impact them? Like my soul was burdened for them and still is burdened for my friends that don't know Christ. Like they don't know this good thing, like how good God is that while we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us, uh, demonstrating what true love is. And, I knew he was real because he was living inside of me, but all my friends were just completely blind. I couldn't see. And I, I just saw the world and so sad for it. And my passion went out to, to letting my friends know, like, this is the truth. God is so good. You're being deceived by these people that are saying, or this, this message that you're hearing that God is our enemy and that he does not want good for us. And he does not um, care for us. So there's a lie that people are being deceived by. And I just wanted to shut that lie down, but I did not know how to. So there's a time in my life around that, the time about 21, I started praying. I'm like, I don't want to just get into a career and just go to church on Sundays. Like I want my life to be 
about bringing people to the kingdom. So I was praying and I really was interested in traveling at the time too. So I was praying, God, uh, give me a career that you can use me for. Give me a career that like helps me learn how to bring people to Christ. Give me a career that, and I, and I love traveling. I don't even think I asked for that. But then um, I met uh, Vic Murphy. He's a famous pro BMX rider. And he was looking for Christian bike riders to go on the road with him, living out of an RV. Um, we started at NASCAR, going from NASCAR race to race, doing bike shows and telling people about Christ. And uh, that was 2006. Met him, hopped in the RV with him, like got rid of all my, of my apartment, get, got rid of my vehicle and lived in an RV with Vic Murphy off and on. It was about seven years before I got married that I, I spent most of the time in the RV with, with the dudes. Um, yeah. So that was 15 years ago that started and I still haven't really grown up or got a real job yet. <laughs> so still with the stunt dudes, still not traveling as much, but still traveling. What's, what's that look like now? Oh yeah. I travel a lot. I'm, I'm gone on average 120 days a year. Um, this last two years due to the COVID stuff, um, I haven't been doing internationals as much. We did one Zambia trip uh, about six months ago. So, um, yeah, I used to, used to do about six international tours a year with different ministries and the BMX bike. And, uh, yeah, now we're doing a lot more stuff in the States. So, so every weekend I'm pretty much during the busy season, we're on the road going to different events, um, different places, setting up ramps riding bikes, riding skateboards, telling people about Christ, you know, trying to, trying to love on people in a fun way. And yeah, we call ourselves the modern day circus, although it doesn't quite look like that, but it's a, it's a fun way to, to use our, our skills, our talents, our passions for, uh, for something for ministry. Yeah, man, that's incredible. So in all these years of doing that, you know, is there a time that something crazy happened in all of that? Like whether it was a good thing or a bad thing or a time that you were pulled away from faith or that you're like, what, what's our purpose here? I mean, tell me something fun about these trips. Oh man. Um, I mean, it's always, it's always a, a step of faith, you know, like living by faith. I think that the biggest lesson I've learned over the last 15 years is um, whether or not, like I've never known where my next paychecks were going to come from next month. And so like, that's, that's a, a crazy way to live according to our culture. It's it, the people would not say that's wise. Even in the church, people say, well, that's not wise. Don't do that. You need to know where your paycheck's going to come from. Um, but I felt convicted to live by faith and to follow God in that. And, and God's every single month for 15 years, not knowing where the, the next paycheck's going to come from. God gives me just what I need. And if I just trust him and just say, Hey, God will, he'll, uh, He'll put clothes on the, the the fields by making the flowers beautiful. He'll feed the sparrows. He cares about those things. Like, doesn't he care about me? And if I'm really going to live by faith and actually live my life around the kingdom, isn't God going to take care of my needs? And God has. He's always taking care of exactly what I need if I live by faith. Now, if I start striving after the world, that's when the struggles come. Or as far as like... um that's when I get all confused and, and depressed and feel like I deserve more is, is when I'm searching after the world. But when I'm following the kingdom, it's like God gives us our needs. He promised he would in the Bible. And I've seen it over 15 years. God will take care of you if you step out in faith and follow him and not follow just the desires of our heart. Even though God does he, as a treat, he gives us the desires of our heart in some ways, even though he'll change our, the desires of our heart, I believe. Um, but for me, like, living by faith. I just want to encourage anybody listening. 
if you don't know what to do with your life as far as finances and work goes, but you know God's put something on your heart, if you're following God and living by faith, he will take care of you. I know it's true because he's taking care of me. Um, I don't know if that quite answered the question, but uh, that, that to me is a special point that I wish I would have known when I was younger. Right. No, I think that's, that's huge to just be able to step out in faith and truly trust what's going next. And it's, it's hard, you know, like with us, you know, me and my family, you know, we, we have a business as well. And, and so I, I live half in the world and half here. And, and that, that leap of faith that you always hear about, sometimes it, you, you really got to live it. You got to just go for it and see what happens next. So uh, any other things like as you're, as you're on the road doing all this stuff with the stunt dudes for these 15 years, like tell me in a, a, a crazy story of somebody getting saved or, or what does that look like when you're out there? Paint a, paint a picture for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So every, every kind of campaign, if you will, um, looks a little bit different. So like, uh, like we're talking about doing something with you in Colorado, where we're going to set up in the downtown and do this big, exciting world-class presentation of uh, just bikes and you're going to have wakeboards going. So we'll do something big like that and then share our faith, just simply share what Christ has done in our lives and people um, can hear it. They can walk away. They can choose to reject God. They can choose to, to learn from that and to accept Christ. Um, so, so like a lot of times we get involved, invited to, uh, to hard to reach areas like Haiti and Africa, uh, Latin America and Asia. So we'll go to these places where typically they don't get shows because they don't have any money. So we're not going to like Vegas and, and Europe, even though we do do some of that stuff, but we're not just going to the places where people can pay for a world-class show. We're going to places where people have never seen a bike trip. They've never seen someone ollie a skateboard. And we're showing up and, and building rickety ramps because we're kind of working with the materials there. We'll set up in a dirt field, um, set up in a bunch of grass and just make something happen and try to push it as hard as we can. And we'll draw as many people out of the villages and give them something that they've never seen before. So to me, that's, that's an absolute treat because people's minds are blown like in a different way. They've never seen a bunny hop on a bike. So when you do a backflip, their minds are just blown and they, and they're very thankful because they see we're, we're there. We're not there because they paid us to be there. We're there because we want to show them love through bikes, through bike tricks and through the message of what Christ has done in our life. So there's definitely been a lot of craziness going to some of the, the deep, dark places of the world. We've, there's been times where I thought I was going to get killed for just being a, a Christian publicly showing up in places where there's very host, a lot of hostility and a lot of murderous threats for being a Christian and saying anything about your faith. And, um, being on the bike has actually helped with that. We've been able to preach the gospel in areas where churches and Christians typically can't do it because they, they will get murdered. We've actually unfortunately been places where people were murdered um for for the gospel brain being preached um recently after we had shown up there and and so like when we do it it's it, it kind of breaks down the barriers because they see oh these are just normal goofy guys riding bikes they're just telling their story and and god will use that and kind of break down those barriers of not that it's wrong to come in wearing a suit and standing on a box i'm not i'm not against that but it, it creates, it, it kind of breaks down barriers when we come in just in normal clothes, normal young guys, um, showing love, just showing the truth of what happened in our lives and telling them about Christ. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's been nights where I've laid in bed. I couldn't sleep when I've been in Africa and different places thinking, man, I'm not going to wake up the next morning. Cause I know people want to kill me tonight. Um, and, uh, and God's always taking care of me and, and giving us wisdom in which places to step into. So, yeah. I mean, if, if I get taken out on the mission field, man, that, that would be such an honor, but 
I really don't want it for my wife's sake. <laughs> true, uh, true soldier for Christ in that aspect. How about back here on the home front, like when you're not doing the shows? Like, do you find that the like the bike and the tricks and that stuff is, is something that helps you, you know, have a platform to to witness to maybe the kids at the skate park that that don't know? Like, I know when you were younger, you talked about your your soul was burning for your friends that weren't believers and you weren't sure what to do at, you know, 17, 18, you know, before you went on the road, what do you do with that now? Like when you, when you're around that atmosphere now, are you able to witness and, and kind of, how's that working? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, um, we want to like in our lives, take advantage of whatever platform or opportunity God gives us. So like when I show up to the skate park, if kids know who I am, like a lot of times I'll go and, and kids will want a picture of me or whatever. And, um, and so we take advantage of the opportunities we have. If, if people have an open ear and want to hear, we'll just uh, like, I, I typically feel like being spirit led when it comes to evangelism is important. So like looking for opportunities, praying for God to open the doors. And I've seen in my life when I, when I go somewhere publicly, but beforehand I pray like God opens some doors. I want to share it. Like you, you set your mind in that place. And then you ask God for the open doors. God usually does open doors for you. Um, but it's a lot of work. So like for me, I, I get this, this flesh struggle before every time I start talking about Christ. Cause it's like, you have an open door, but stepping through it, you're like, you know, what's going on. You're getting into battle mode. And even just, even just saying one little thing, like, man, God changed my life. The devil wants us to stop. He wants us to think like, man, you're just going to cause a bunch of drama. You're going to push people away. You get all these insecurities, all these thoughts, whether it's coming from your flesh or from Satan or from the world, there's a lot of different factors to get us to close our mouth. Um, but my opinion is, is that successful evangelism, right? People hate that word, um, but successfully impacting people with Christ for their eternity, it just comes from opening our mouth and sharing the good news of Christ. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 1.16, for the gospel is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Think about that word power for a second. Power is the ability to get things done. Like if I had a million dollars and I wanted to start a coffee shop, I'd have the power to do that. Cause I got a million dollars. I can start a pretty sick coffee shop. But if you want people to have salvation, the power for self, the power of God for salvation is the gospel. And so defining what the gospel is, is so important. The gospel, the good news, Paul defines it in 1 Corinthians 15. So if you guys want a little bit of homework, go to 1 Corinthians 15, right in verse one, it starts. Paul says, uh, I don't have it memorized, I'm working on that. Um, but he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to you what's, the, what's of first importance. This is the most important. And the most important, it's the gospel. And the gospel is, as he says, it's Christ crucified, as was as he said was going to happen and him rising from the dead. So like this, this moment that Christians always talk about on Christmas and on Easter, this moment of Christ on the cross dying for the sins of the world, going into the grave and raising from the dead three days later, that's the gospel. And the, the truth of that message, it's kind of like all of scripture points right to that point. What that means for us is astronomical. And so that's always the, the, the point that I try to bring conversations with when I'm at the skate park with my bike, talking to kids, when I'm at the grocery store and God opens a door for me to share, I'm trying to get to that point because that's the point. That's the threshold of what separates us from God is whether or not we're going to believe in Christ. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. I had no idea you were going to preach today. 
You, oh, you, sorry. you just, you I just brought just, it. I do it every day. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm like, man, I just learned, I just learned something new with John on this podcast today. <laughs> like that's, that's incredible, man. So as you, uh, you know, you've traveled the world, you've been, you know, ministering in the United States with your bike, you've been all over the world. Do you find that it's, uh, the American audiences or the international audiences are more receptive to hearing the gospel? Man, I, I would say that um, when Jesus said it's very difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, there's something about that. There's something to that. And I think whether or not it's earthly riches or if it's like a perceived richness that you have, because riches are all relative, right? Like yeah. it's all relative whether or not you're rich. But um, the rich people are the people that think they have what they need. It's the people that think they got it made. They feel like, oh, I got this. I don't need God. And those are the hardest people to reach. And, and typically in America or in wealthier countries, that's, that's where we are. They're like, man, I don't need God. I'm a good person. I got this handled. They don't, they don't see that they're separated from God. They're enemies of God and that they're lost in their sins. Like they don't see that. Now, when you go somewhere that's where people, they don't have access to a doctor. They don't have access to clean water they're looking to something else. They're looking like I need help. And, and you see a lot of places like that. People are getting into voodoo. They're getting into all this witchcraft, this, this different stuff, trying to find power, trying to find help for their lives, trying to find, because there's this conviction that people have if, if they're honest with themselves, what do I do with my sin? How is my sin taken care of? So a lot of people, when they see need in their life, like you, you might see it, like if your friend gets cancer or something, you have friends that are going through a crisis. It gives them, um, an excuse to be like, to look for need. They see, I, I can't fulfill this need through a doctor. I can't fulfill this need through worldly means. I'm going to finally start looking to God. So those are usually the, the easiest ways. And those are the things we pray for. We pray for, for God to use us when people are actually open to it. But um, the hardest people to reach, I'd say, are the, are the people that think they have it all, all together. Um, and so, yeah, we, we definitely see a, a big response um, in places like Africa. Latin America is a really interesting place. I feel like it's a right, a right place. People, the young people there are very open-minded to religious things, which is really cool. Um, they're open-minded to spiritual things. So we've, we've got, have lots of conversations. I've been working on Spanish for three years. I'm just praying for more opportunities to connect with the Latin American world. Um, just cause I love it, love it down there, down South and, and here in the, in the States. But yeah, man, God, everybody's the same all across the world. doesn't matter what your skin color is, what country you came from, what family you grew up in. People are all the same. Man, we're, we're enemies of God by default because we've inherited the curse of sin. Um, but God came to fix that problem. He, it's, it's not us trying to climb our way to heaven. God climbed his way down to earth. He solved the problem. He gives us eternal life through the free gift of his son. It's free. We can't pay for it. If I give you a brand new Lamborghini and then you start trying to make payments to me, it's like, no, it's yours. I gave it to you. It's a free, it's a free gift. I can't pay for it with my righteous works. It's already been paid for by the only one who was righteous. And uh, he's the solution to every problem, Christ the King. And it doesn't matter what culture you're in, what age you are, what family you grew up in, Christ died for you. Yeah, and that's good stuff. So, as we uh, get ready to close, I always like to ask that one question, um, and you've you've answered so many for people today. So, like, it's it's this has been awesome. Um, if there's one thing that you want the listeners to hear, the one the one thing that you want them to grab a hold of, and 
you just leave them with one message. What What is that today? What's the one thing John wants to say? One thing. Oh man, I think I just said it right there. Um, <laughs> and God's not a fairy tale. J- Jesus came to the earth. Um, he proved who he said he was. A lot of people are saying religious things. I know I'm coming at you, a human being telling you religious things. And, um, I got nothing in myself, but Christ, he came and he, he proved who he said he was in power. He proved when he said that he had the power to forgive sins. I mean, if I told you I had the power to forgive sins, you can put me on the crazy train and I'm out of here. But Jesus said, I have the power to forgive sins. Everybody was like, this, this guy's whack. Like, how can you have the power to forgive sins? And then he would prove who he was in power. He said that um, not only did he have the power to forgive sins, he had the power to defeat death itself. And that is our biggest crisis in the world right now. One out of every one person will die. That's bad news. But Christ has the power to defeat death itself, to give us each eternal life physically and spiritually by solving the problem of sin that we have, separating us from God, destroying families, destroying our own lives. Sin is destructive. God fixed it on the cross. His blood will wash away all sins. And he will help you by day-to-day conquering sin in your life. Like your shirt says, my buddy Ian, yeah. he's got awesome clothing brand. You says sinner on the back. And I know it's on the back of your shirt. It says forgiven on the back. Yep. We're all sinners. Christ came to forgive. He fixed the problem that we have. He's the solution. And, and if you just believe that, it's yours. It's that easy. Just receive the gift that was already given. Believe and receive. I know I'm going into preacher mode, but to me, it's everything. My life is nothing without Christ and in him it's everything. Yeah, man, that's good. And I, and I, I appreciate the preaching today, honestly, like we've heard your story, <laughs> but like, this is just who you are and it, it radiates from you. And I think it's incredible. So like a great blessing to have you here with us today. If, uh, for the listeners that are, that are hearing this, how, how can they reach you? How can they study you find the stunt dudes? What, how do they, how do they get in contact? How do they, how do they follow? Yeah. Yeah. Contact me. Instagram is really the easiest way to reach out. So if you just look up John Andrus BMX on Instagram, I'm on there. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to connect with you. Um, if you just Google stunt dudes, you'll see our website, our Facebook and, and all that too. So stunt dudes is the, it's the face of our ministry. And, uh, yeah, we, we put on stunt shows for Jesus and love. I love BMX and skateboarding and I'd love to connect with you. Yeah, man. Awesome. So we're so stoked to have you as all the listeners, you know, fastlifeministries.com. You can check the podcast there on the website. You can check them YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And I just said that, so you probably already know that because you're listening to it on this. Uh, but that's what makes it so fun is I'm not always perfectly scripted or know what's going on. But uh, check us out on the social media avenues. Follow John. Follow the stunt dudes. And uh, we just appreciate everybody and have a blessed day.